Good morning again. How are you? So, would you help? If there was a young man at fifth grade that was taken out of school because of convenience for his parents, would you step in if you knew it? Would you say something to him? Would you stand in the gap? If you knew of a boy that was eight years old that was raped by a man, would you step in? How about as a nine-year-old boy, that same boy was raped by another man, would you step in? How about a little girl that's one sold into prostitution by her own mother? And it went on until she was 13. Would you have the courage, the strength, the conviction, the lack of insecurity that that might provide? Would you step in? I have a sense that all of us would say, of course. Is that true? Okay. Let's hold on to that thought for just one second. Pretty deep. It's pretty fast in the discussion to get there, but I think it's important. So, again, we'll come back to that. My wife came to me and said, Hey, we've been blessed in business and we should do something with our business to do good. I go, Oh, tell me. Tell me more. She goes, I just feel like we should help more people. And I think we should be very sp specific and deliberate about it. I says, well, what do you think we should do? She says, I think we should start a social enterprise restaurant. And I thought, that's a great idea. She says, yeah, here's the way I look at it. You're an addict alcoholic. I went through rehab at 25. She helped me through it. She goes, we should do it because of your background. And I said, okay, tell me more. She says, I think that we should hire people that are in early stages of alcohol or drug recovery and give them a job because it's very difficult for folks to find jobs after they have a past of addiction. And I said, yeah, well, that's where this is going bad. There's no way. That isn't a business. That's a charity. She goes, no, no, no. I really think it could work. I really think that this would work. And I said, I really don't think we this won't work. This is bad. There's no way that I would ever do that. That's crazy talk. And because she's wise, she let it slide a little bit. And a couple months later, she comes up to me and she says, hey, you notice that the industry that we love, our business, is kind of a connection point for either people that have an addiction past or a current uh, state of addiction do you notice that there's lots of people in the restaurant industry that kind of congregate there? And I go, well, yeah, of course. She says, did you really contemplate how many people over the course of the last eight years with three restaurants here in Lexington, how many people we've lost to addiction? I said, no, not really. She says, you know, 12 people have died in our three restaurants died. She goes, don't you think that's a good reason to help? Why don't you help? 
And I said, well, okay. So I don't want to debate that we should help those people, but I do want to debate the method in which we're going to do that. You know, another name for a social enterprise is a for-profit business. And I don't see how employing people that are in second chance opportunities are a stable employment market. I don't know how in the world we can expect people to be on time, how they'll work hard, show up every day, and stay with us a long time. I just don't see it. She says, well, I think we should take a chance. And I said, it'll never work. She was wise again and kind of took a second. A couple months later, I could see her starting to bring it up, and I said, no way. This isn't going to work. This is crazy talk. We had a server at one of our restaurants was magic. Do you know someone that goes into a restaurant and sees something on the menu and says, hey, server, I want that, but I want you to remove five things, add three things, cook it differently, and I don't want you to charge me any more than the price that's on there? Is it you that does that? <laughs> well, this server, I called her magic because not only would she listen to this patiently, she would write it all down perfectly. She would put it in the register exactly. She would go to the kitchen and make sure it was done well, but that wasn't the magic part. The magic part was is that every person that came into that restaurant that she waited on she had the ability to make them think that they were smart, pretty, handsome, wonderful, and good at whatever they did. The, the women or men that came in that ordered similar to that, she would convince them that that was the coolest sounding menu item that she's ever heard, that not only is she going to have it at the end of her shift, she most likely will probably convince the management to put it on the menu. She's that kind of magic. That magic woman was caught doing heroin in our bathroom. I fired her. A week later, the only day I get to sleep in, I filled this at 6 o'clock in the morning. What? She goes, I want her address. I go, what? What are you talking about? It was my wife. She says, I want that woman's address. And I said, I don't even know what you're talking about. You're a crazy woman. What are you doing waking me up? She says, listen, you let a woman go because she was doing heroin in our bathroom. She was unbelievable as a server. Did you know that on her initial test that you have to take, you have to know every item, but you also need to know every ingredient of every item on our whole menu. She didn't even get a comma wrong. She's brilliant, she's smart, she's funny, and what my wife said she couldn't get out of her head is that she had a beautiful one-year-old son. And she goes, I want to know why. She says, I want her address. And I said, no. I feel insecure. I feel like I can't protect you. I'll just go with you. 
She goes, oh, yeah, right. That's going to be a good meeting. You fire her, and I go and want to just ask her all these questions. There's, this is going to work. I said, no, I mean, but I don't want you to go without me because I want to keep you safe. She said, no. I said, well, then you can't go. She goes, I'm going to go. Did you know in the Bible it says that I'm the leader of the house and I say no? <laughs> it was about a minute when I saw her backside hit the door. Okay, so she came back in a couple hours and I was mad and I was pouting and I wouldn't really talk to her, hello, walk around, avoid her. A couple hours later, she goes, hey, I had a good visit. And I said, really? She said, yeah, I really want to be her friend. And I think she needs a friend. She goes, I have an idea. I said, what now? She says, not only do I want to be her friend, but what I want to do is I want to have a dual relationship with her, where I not only am her friend, press into her, show her hospitality, show her the love of Christ, but I also want to know her family. I want to know her landlord. I want to know what her bills are. And I want you to hire her back. And I said, there's no way. I'm not hiring her back. There's no way ever I'm going to do that. Do you know that everybody in our restaurant knows that she got fired for doing heroin? Do you know we could have lose, lost our liquor license if we got caught with that in our building? Do you know if it happens again, what happens? Our reputation, what we stand for, who we are, what would our church friends think? She said, I don't care. I think she's worth it. Let's try to do for one that we want to do for all. And I said... <laughs> are you crazy? She goes, yeah, but let's do it. She says, you hire her, you take her tips at the end of the night, give her just enough to pay her bills, and let's be not only loving, but accountable. It sounded logical, and I love my wife, and I'm a little afraid of her, so I did it. <laughs> and it was pretty awesome. Uh, you know, she said she got very scared when she lost her job and she had stopped doing heroin and that was good enough for me. And we went on for seven months where at least every other week we went to church, at least every other week we had a family meal. I watched her child when I was off and she had to work sometimes. My kids walked, watched her son uh, when they could. And it was really fun. She's a fun person. And uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it really was rewarding. And it was exciting to see her joy. And after seven months, I get a call from her landlord and says, hey, there's something fishy. I haven't been paid. My wife said, did you give her the money? I said, of course I gave her the money. She says, well, I said, we need to have an intervention. Let's get the landlord, you, me, her, let's sit down and find out. The heartbreaking thing is that not only did she not quit, she had been using the whole time. And so 
we said, look, we'll continue with the friendship, but we've got to discontinue our professional relationship, and it, it, and it ended that way. The good news is she went to rehab. First, she had to go through detox, went through six months of pretty intense behavior modification, 12-step program, had a sponsor, doing well. At the end of the six months, she had to go out and get a job to pay her tuition. Well, when she did that, she got a job at a fancy urban supermarket. And when she got the job, she was loved. They loved her. Well, they didn't love her enough because they found out through a background check that she had a drug possession and a shoplifting and they fired her on the spot. It broke her spirit and she's out there still. All of the detox, all of the behavior modification, because we systematically and automatically eliminate people in American business for even being able to explain their past. I said, did you tell them? Did you tell them that you just went through rehab? that you could document and show them that they have really six months every week where you could show them you have clean tests, that you have another six months in the, in the uh, house and you can show them that. Did you show them? She goes, are you kidding? They wouldn't even let me sit down and they told me to leave and I ran out crying. That would have broke my spirit too. So we got off the phone and my wife said, are you ready to start that restaurant? Do you really want to help? Why won't you help? Isn't it now? And in my wisdom, I said, absolutely not. My wife started to bring out the big guns and brought the nuclear stuff. She says, okay, you won't do it because of you. You won't do it because you profited off of 12 people that died. You won't do it because of the deep connection that we just gained with this woman and saw how it can work for seven months at least. Just do it for that. But I question who you are as a Christian. And I don't get you. And I don't understand you. And I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I said, now you've stepped way over the line. I tithe. I even tithe at work. She goes, when was the last time you prayed for that money? Prayed for the people that I was going to affect. I says, listen, I commit service. I'm committed to service. I've even gone to Indonesia with Reverend Covington. She goes, when was the last time you helped someone in your own community? I said, I think you're way out of bounds here. I don't understand. I'm at least as Christian as everybody else. She says, well, what about in your job? Do you pray for the people that you work for or work with? Do you pray for the customers? Do you read scripture with them? And to be honest, one of the most important things in my life based on what I spend my money on and my time on and my thoughts on, is probably job. I don't know if I'm all that different from most American men or women. And I think at that point I realized it was a sin. I didn't before. 
but it took my wife's goading and pushing and prying. So then I reluctantly said, okay, look, here's the deal. I'm not fully bought into this, but I guarantee you I'll do some homework. So what I did is I started looking at other places that give second chances. Went to 20 of them, and guess what? 16 of them were terrible. They had bad product, bad service, bad atmosphere. I figured they were going to go under any moment, and they were all social enterprises. Four of them were okay. And four of them, I'm like, okay, I could kind of live with this. I started playing around with the idea of building this social enterprise in three different prongs, a triple bottom line, trying to make it a sustainable business financially, trying to provide an integrated idea of how to, to make social impact, and lastly, do it for a higher purpose, which is Christ. Because I was going to try to change the way that we did it and really concentrate on those three bottom lines. Well, as I was looking at those 20 different places, and I'm talking, I went to California, I went to Chicago, I went on the East Coast, I went everywhere trying to search this. I got to admit, probably to say, see, it couldn't be done, hun, honestly. Because of those 20 businesses, thinking that 16 were to go bad because they weren't good freaked me out. And through analysis and kind of reviewing everything that I needed to to try to figure out how we could build our own social enterprise here, I came across something very startling. Those 16 that didn't do well, generally speaking, they were Christian. The four that weren't, weren't. The four that were good, in terms of product, atmosphere, service, probably didn't have any donation as part of their structure, and they didn't have any Christ in it. But they were better than the 16 that were Christian? I freaked out. I couldn't understand it. I spent two years in the Walt Disney uh, Company's uh, strategic planning group. And I took and studied things in business that you tried to define down to a group, then a bucket, then a thimble, to try to analyze what was good about a business. And if it was good, you'd take that thimble and put it back and try to do it over and over again. If you found that that thimble contained things that weren't good, you threw it away and didn't do that. And you created systems and policies and standards to try to build the best business based on the analysis that you had. Well, after four and a half months of analysis, here's what I came up with. Why was the Christian businesses doing worse? It seems counterintuitive, right? Well, here's what I came up with. Number one, least important, the social aspect of the free enterprise system kind of works. If you have to work harder to pay your bills without donations, the free enterprise system on some level works pretty well. That was the easy one to figure out. The second one was this. I don't know that I'm right, 
but I feel like this is my sense. Those businesses weren't performing because we as Christians have a policy, a procedure, a standard, an example where it, you don't have to perform at a certain level for me to love you. And we apply that attitude to work too. And so if that second choice or chance person came in and was late, will you try to do it better next time? It's okay. Hey, I know you're in a bad mood and kind of grumpy with that customer, but it's all right. Do, do better next time. And I had to really unpack that. That sounds crazy, but I believe with all my heart. That's what I saw. And I went to my wife and I started saying, well, what are we going to do? If this whole idea is bringing Christ to work, establishing a business where we had a triple bottom line, money, you know, impact Christ, it, I don't have a model here. I'm freaking out. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I was even more discouraged after seeing that. So we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed. And we finally decided that that's what we were going to do. We were going to go all into this. We were going to figure it all out. And here's the result so far. After 16 months, we're so blessed to have 23 out of 24 people that are in recovery. We're so blessed that we've had two baptisms, four people go back to higher learning, one person go back to a high-paying factory job, one person last week went back to nursing. The typical things that you kind of analyze in business are tenure and turnover uh, by all standards in 15 months, uh, seven months average tenure is great. Uh, Also, uh, the turnover rate is seven, under 70%, which is at least 20 basis points better than the typical uh, fast casual restaurant. But here's the cool thing. Five weeks ago, I got a notice from Yelp. And Yelp said, hey, did you know that after we analyzed all the data for 2017, we're going to name Deviate Kitchen the 40th best restaurant in America? Now, here's what I'll tell you. My wife and I definitely stand over everybody's shoulders, but we've never cooked a complete meal. We've never made one bakery product by ourselves. We've never, ever put anybody through a register all together. That award, that distinction is 100% Jared and all of his co-workers award. It is not mine. But you know who's behind it, don't you? This is an improbable, crazy, 100% I was against, but, but Jesus was for. And he spoke through my wife, And I'm so blessed to have a woman that prodded and poked and felt the Holy Spirit and convinced me to do it. 
I am so blessed to be part of an organization that works with folks that are, are, are real and authentic and broken and not afraid to show it. This whole business has taught me that I have to bring Christ to work with me. It's not an option. And I got to be super honest with you. And band, if you want to start coming up, I got to be super honest with you. I am super tired. Haven't had a job, uh, haven't had a day off in, in 23 months. I'm basically, we haven't taken any money from the business, and you don't need to know that other than I'm trying to give you an example. Um, we also really are glorified bussers and cleaners, and I've had some fancy jobs before, and I can tell you that my hands are dirty, they mess up my schedule sometimes, sometimes there's conflict and it's hard to get out, and I got to tell you I'm the most satisfied vocationally that I've ever been in my entire life. And I would love it if all of you that are out there that are young, aspiring people looking for a vocation, whether you do it as mission work in a formal setting like a church, or if you go out into the business world, don't forget to take Christ. Even though you might think that it's prevalent and that's the way that happens in business, I got to tell you, I think it's the last bastion of ministry that we need to do. And I'm really convinced that your generation can make this different. And I want you to consider how you can help. Lastly, I told you about three different people. The first one was taken out of school in fifth grade. That person works for us at DVA. The third one was the little girl that got sold into slavery. This is here in Kentucky, y'all. Into prostitution. And she's joyous and happy. Why should you help? The little boy looks like you and certainly looks like me because I was raped at eight and nine. Why won't you help? We struggle with helping people that are adults in addiction, and I don't understand it when you think about they probably came from something that they're trying to figure out as children, and we would all jump to their defense and assistance at the very beginning. But why... When they're adults, do we hold back and think that, well, when they want to be a productive citizen, they will. It's time for us to jump in and help. We need to stop worrying about thinking about it and start doing it. Go have a relationship with someone that's in need of it. Show them Christ's love and bring Christ to work, bring Christ to everywhere with you from now on. And that's a great message that I'd love to pass along. Thanks.